The Wayne Braves reporting for duty. Fasten your seatbelts and hold on to your carrots. You're about to enter the Lean Braves throwdown zone, the hard rock of fitness and food. We are Avengers of Health. Hide the donuts. You're listening to the Lean Braves radio show at theleanbraves.com. Welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones with Dr. Kwame Brown from Hampton University and Candace Jones from the Lean Berets. And uh, I was a founder of Lean Berets. I'm a kinesiologist. I have a master's in kinesiology, sports psychology, and I uh, became interested in some of Dr. Brown's work recently. He's a big, big sport and exercise psychology person, and that's so important when you start talking about movement. And Candace brings in a lot of fitness expertise and uh, professional educator ballet background and so we're going to have a really interesting show today on on movement and play and and some of the things going on not just in the United States but but globally with uh, getting youth involved in in movement again with a different philosophy maybe not as regimented as uh, some of the military type systems in the past but uh, somewhat more playful at times so welcome to Lean Braze Dr. Brown. Oh thank you sir thank you ma'am. Yes Mm -hmm. it's great to have you and uh, you've got quite a resume. I mean, I'll, I'll touch on, I mean, you can explain your education a little bit, but you've got uh, a pretty extensive website, and I want you to mention that today and, and all the different services that uh, you provide, because basically you've done a lot of the legwork for people that are trying to get children involved in their community, and they don't exactly know what to do. You've got games and lesson plans and all kinds of stuff posted on your, on your site and, and some membership options, too. Absolutely, um, and and I I have not been able to figure out yet whether I'm accomplished or just distracted. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing is for sure. After you know looking at your stuff a little bit, you've you've done a heck of a lot of work for a long time. You've been in the trenches and and doing real work with kids, not just on the obviously you're educated, you have a PhD, but it's it's more than just theoretical with you. It it, it involves real action and community action as well. Yeah, I, I actually came to one of my mentors um, uh, when I was at Georgetown, and I said, you know, I was having some issues uh, with what I was going to do for a living, and I said, hey, look, man, you know, um, I, I don't think I'm a, a bench scientist. I don't, I don't think that I'm just going to have a lab for the rest of my life. Um, and, and, you know, I was experiencing some real conflict about that because that seemed to be the only path shown to us. Right. Um, and... You know, he told me something very valuable. Uh, the guy's name is uh, Dr. Ben Walker. He's still at Georgetown, uh, now working uh, more with incoming medical students. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me, he said, Kwame, you know, as a Ph.D., you're trained to be a problem solver. So go pick a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, I, I don't mind saying uh, w- with complete shame that he told me this over a meal of Taco Bell. <laughs> but but that's that's what you know first made me realize that I didn't want to just be stuck in a lab and you know I did the whole postdoc thing and mm-hmm. um but I I had been you know I'd had a dual career in fitness um the whole time during grad school and I, I started originally uh to earn some extra money and meet girls mm-hmm. uh but obviously it became a lot more <laughs> than that you know <laughs> I, I seem to gain a reputation for being able to, to quote unquote, fix people. Although we, you and 
I know that's a complete fallacy. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. uh, you know, you gain the reputation and people started to bring their kids to me. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize what people were doing in, in sports training environments uh, with kids. And, you know, having already had a developmental background, it kind of horrified me a little bit. Right, right. Um, not that you can be horrified a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, I'll, I'll be straight out, it horrified me. And, and so I started trying to look for ways to, to do a little bit better. And it, and it took me a while. Um, but now I've, you know, seem to have gained the critical mass uh, toward toward doing that, toward toward finding um, practical ways to get kids involved in movement. It doesn't really have to be so regimented and so about ego production or disease avoidance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you created a system called uh, Move Theory, and um, correct me if I'm wrong. It's it's based on playful movement, correct? Right. Uh, and and Move Theory actually. Um, backs away from the playful movement a little bit. It's a broader view um, of, of how to look at a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and this is, a lot of the stuff you'll hear about my history and how I came up with this stuff is really silly. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a silly person, so it's, it's fine. Um, I, there was an R&B group called uh, Groove Theory back in the uh, early 90s. Uh-huh. Um, and I had the biggest crush on the lead singer. <laughs> uh, and, and so um, I was, you know, thinking about some issues and, and thinking about the intersection between theory and practical application. And I, I you know, came up on Bruce Lee's philosophies uh, during my 10 years in the martial arts. And, you know, I was thinking about sort of all the fancy mess that I was seeing with, you know, what people thought kids needed. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to a Groove Theory song, and I said, hmm, well, maybe I'll just come up with a concept named Move Theory. It seems like sort of a double entendre. You know, right. we are, uh, or actually maybe a triple entendre, because it's about movement, mm-hmm. and it's about moving uh, theory. It's about moving theory to practice. Right. And, 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 and really not even moving theory to practice in a linear way. It's more, I, I like circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who know me really know I like circles and spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, I, I really look at it like practice informs theory, theory uh, informs practice. Uh, you know, that's really the modern scientific method that we use. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just started thinking about this. And the function method is actually my system of uh, playful movement that, that grew out of the crucible of Fairfax County Park Authority and uh, them allowing me some latitude there, which doesn't happen often in local government uh, right. organizations. Uh, but they did allow me a lot of latitude uh, to develop that that concept. Hmm. So you're big on uh, one of the key points I had written down for us today. You're big on community involvement, and you know, really working where you live to get uh, kids involved. So, you know, with your experience and 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 working, you know, in many different environments, um, what kind of advice would you have for people? Because I I know I get calls on occasion from people around the country. Just asking for some help with some ideas, you know. Um, should it be community groups trying to get kids physically active? Should it be the school system exclusively? Should it be the fitness business? I mean, what are your views on that? You've done a lot of um, groundwork with with kids and physical movement. So, what do you think works the best? Oh wow, what a loaded question. Um, yes. <laughs> first, let me say what we have to say first. Okay. It is complicated. Oh, yes, definitely. And, and, and I hear something that rubs me the wrong way a lot, and I hear people say this a lot. It's simple. You just got to get kids moving. That's not simple. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, there are a myriad of environmental roadblocks and, and, and not necessarily roadblocks, but hurdles uh, to get over. And, and there are a myriad of reasons, and there's a long history behind. Uh, I was just discussing some of that history with my class this morning, mm-hmm. um, trying to get them some context to what they see, because a lot of people, you know, kids are lazy. You know, I don't, I don't think there's any such thing. Um, so first, recognizing that the problem is complex and it has a lot of moving parts. So let me name some of those parts. Okay. Um, one is, uh, you know, what kids have available to them uh, in their environment. Uh, and I'm talking about the built environment and the natural environment. And what they're given permission to do. Um, what other things they have sort of on their plate. Um, and that's been the case since the beginning of time. My grandfather had to drop out of school in eighth grade to take care of his family. Right. Took care of his family for the rest of his life. Right. So he had a lot on his plate. He didn't get a lot of playtime. Um, but so, so there's there are those things. Then there's how we feel about ourselves. So if I feel that my purpose is just to be useful for gross domestic product, then there's not much of an impetus to play. Or if I feel like my useless my usefulness is to be productive um, toward a specific goal and only in the service of that goal. There's also not a lot of room for, for play. And our physical movement is going to be shaped by that. Uh, you know, I, I know for a fact that you know this history very well, the history of the military and physical education. Oh, right, right. It's yeah. a huge part um, of American physics. have an extensive body of knowledge on that, as, as does Ed Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we have to look at the cultural influences and in how we play. And I've, I've talked to people from West Africa, from Asia, uh, from India, and, and I say I've talked to these people. I can't go any of those places because I don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but I talk to people of all the, from all over the world, and, and, and it does. You see a difference in the way people look at movement depending on culture. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is what kids concept – self-concept and, and, and you hear about self-efficacy. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I think I can do um, and who do I think I am? Where do I fit in with my peers? That tends to have a large uh, role. And then the food we eat, how we live, how we're housed, um, tells us a lot about what we should do with our bodies. And so, you know, oh, my God, now we can't solve it because it's too complicated. But what I try to tell people to do is pick something. You know, is, is your particular interest nutrition and how we eat? Well, build some gardens. You know, um, is, is your particular interest movement? Well, learn as many different ways to move as you can. That's what I did over 22 years. I, I, I learned as many different ways to move as I could and sort of ended up putting it into, you know, through a lens of gameplay mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of incorporating those kinds of movement patterns, if you will, although that's become a dirty word, um, or, or movement flavors uh, within those games um, and just setting up environments. Uh, but it took me a long time. I had to go after getting the knowledge. So that's another thing is that we've got to stop putting warm bodies with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I see people and their requirement. You find some gems in there, man. I mean, you really do. But in terms of the requirement for a lot of organizations, they require just north of zombie. Right, right. Yeah. And we're not requiring a lot. We require a lot more training to work with professionals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a bit easier, right. uh, uh, especially from the teaching perspective. So we've got to start addressing our personnel. We've got to start addressing our built environment, how we construct our neighborhoods, what we eat, and how that food is distributed, and, and how uh, we view ourselves. 
it's a multifactorial issue, right? Uh, yep. And it is extremely complex. But you know, um, if you will, your your simple suggestion was start somewhere with something that you have an interest in, whatever that area might be, and we have to do something, right? So, um, you know, I've done some work with child obesity. Um, prevention programs, after-school programs, typically lower socioeconomic areas, and just to set the stage a little bit for people that, you know, maybe are not aware of why movement's important for children. They're a lot more sedentary than they used to be because of technology, so they're not really learning how to move their bodies through space. It might not sound like an issue, but you get to corporate settings like, you know, my business is corporate wellness uh, full-time, and then People don't know how to maybe properly move on, on the job, and then there's a OSHA recordable incident or accident, and it creates a lot of healthcare costs. So um, the idea is to help these kids learn how to move and and move safely and live a healthy life. So there is a need for that, but man, when you get into uh, different types of cultures and neighborhoods, like you said, you know, the, the child might even be willing, but the environment doesn't allow for that. There could be violence. There could be no park nearby. Could be poor lighting. Um, they could be focused on survival, you know, uh, and that seems to be more important about, you know, food and shelter versus play. So lots of issues. But one thing was interesting. I had the opportunity, I mentioned this in the pre-show stuff to Kwame. I had an opportunity to work with Kaiser Permanente and the Boys and Girls Club a few years back on a grant project. And I brought a lot of the same fitness tools in that, you know, many of the people in the fitness industry would use, uh, you know, tubing and light dumbbells and speed cones and things like that. But how the program I designed was different was the psychology. And that really made all the difference in the world. I don't think it was as much about my knowledge of biomechanics at the time. It was the, the social psychology of it. And I tried to facilitate a chance of success for the for the kids. It was interesting, you know, that the heaviest kids became the biggest proponents of the program because I think for the first time in their lives, they had a chance to feel good about movement without winning or losing. I don't want to be overly politically correct because that's not what we do at the Lean Berets, really. But I think, you know, you got an obese or overweight kid that doesn't feel good about movement already. Um, the competitive part of running a lap and being last or doing things of that nature just kind of set them up for failure from the get-go. And so I just got real playful with the stuff, you know. Uh, I would give them time drills, and they would, you know, have some things to do, like hop around like a bunny rabbit and come back close to me in 60 seconds. So it wasn't necessarily point A to point B. They were deciding how far they were going to go and what the amplitude of that jump or hop might be if they did anything. Uh, it was it was just interesting, but the hardest part, like you said, trying to get people to help me to do that, reaching out to the university, trying to find students who want to do internships, and and it was really tough just to get younger people involved in the teaching part of that. Yeah, I have a question. You said that the park and rec gave you a lot of latitude. So, what were some of the, you know, how did you get them to give you latitude, and what made that such a an interesting? Uh, you know, a great environment for you to have that latitude? And what were you able to accomplish with less rules? Kenny, that's a really good question. Um, uh, and thanks for asking that. Um, <laughs> so I have to be honest about, you know, so, sometimes people get really disingenuous with this stuff and they act like something special about them. I, I think what was special about me 
is that I was the only person in the organization with a doctorate. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if I had just come in off the bat and said, hey, I want to do this, I don't know that I would have gotten that latitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's both fortunate for what I was able to do and, and kind of unfortunate uh, from a societal standpoint because there are people with wonderful ideas that have done a lot of study that may not have a formal degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think that's kind of... Um, uh, uh, you know, it does uh, collectively a disservice, but that's part of why. Uh, the other thing is my energy, my passion. Um, I, I I was very passionate about um, being playful with kids, and uh, they knew that, and they didn't feel like they had the expertise in house um, to be able to form programs for kids, especially kids older than six. You know, between six and seventeen, that weren't playing sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, what they had was a lot of aquatics programs, a lot of teaching swim programs, a lot of early childhood stuff, and then sports programs, but nothing outside of that. And, you know, the, my boss also knew some of my personal history that I was one of those kids that wasn't included, um, or, or at the very least didn't feel included. Sometimes our perception about our past is not necessarily a factual record of mm-hmm. our past. Right. Uh, you know, that's the case with every childhood. Um, but certainly there was some exclusion that I, I experienced. And lots of feelings of exclusion, lots of feelings of not being good enough. And so I sort of knew how to look through that lens and how to engage kids from that lens. But there's also a lot of trial and error. So they gave me programs at seven schools first. Mm -hmm. And I got to interact with the counselors there and, um, uh, you know, interact with the kids on a regular basis. And what I started to do was just hire um, these counselors during the, the winter and spring break. And I would have them come in my office and, and just discuss what they saw that summer with me. And I did this every year for a while. Um, and, and they informed me. And, you know, that coupling that with getting to play with thousands of kids. I mean, you know, uh, well, it, first year is probably over 1,000 uh, because we had seven schools, probably 100 and, uh, you know, well over 100 kids at each school. And, uh, you know, eventually we expanded it to 55 schools. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. a hell of a sample size for me to get. Wow. To just try stuff mm-hmm. and to ask kids. You know, um, I used to just come in and ask them if I could play with them and, mm-hmm. and just try stuff out. And, and so all these games that I have in the function method, you know, ended up being tried and true. And, and, and that's what I mean by latitude. Um, now, eventually that latitude, uh, you know, got taken away by circumstance. They wanted to continue with the program but wanted to give me continue to give me an hour uh, to train counselors for the whole summer. Right. And that's not really going to be effective, especially in doing something free-flowing and free-form like active play. Now, there's some structure, but you have to relax some of the structure to be playful. And you all know that going through the primal training. Right, right. Uh, by the way, I, I, I secretly I always look up people. I, I saw the picture of the ant games. Oh, uh, yeah. With the phone block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wanna, those are funny. I, I, I'll be doing that at home tonight with my wife. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she's also very playful uh, and, and an ex-gymnast, so she, she's always willing to get down on the floor. Yeah, um, that's but, funny. But, the, you know, these it's important to be able to get trial and error, and too often we don't really allow that within organizations. You have to show measurables. You have to show outcomes. Well, a lot of our outcomes, and especially in education, are not right away. You know, I come from a family of educators. My parents have been urban educators and you know, trained people for years in urban education. My father's president of the university. My mom's a 
longtime alternatives uh, teacher. Uh, my in-laws are all educators. My cousins, you know, you get the picture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what they know and what I've learned from them is that some of these effects don't happen until later. And so it's really hard once you start nailing down every program based on measurables. And you mentioned, Ron, um, did I did I think that we could accomplish this through the educational system um, in terms of a, of a sole uh, conduit for solving this? No, I do not. Um, and I think there's a lot of, and I'll be very frank, very frank with you. I think I see some real gems in physical education, but I also see lots of confusion, um, lots of uh, nitpicking, mm-hmm. um, lots of dissension in the ranks. Um, not that that's always a bad thing. Um, and lots of fear of play, which really surprises me. Now, it doesn't surprise me to know the history, you know, once you know the history behind PE, but just as a person who believes in, you know, a physical education. But, but, but this is true for academics, too. Um, we don't just receive our education through our schools. We receive our education through life. And, in fact, um, our, we have two educational models here at Hampton University. And I, I actually went to elementary school on this campus. Hmm. Um, and the model I've been taught since I was eight, uh, you know, I went, to, I went to college here as well, um, was education for life, and the other one is head, heart, and hand. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the, I don't, you know, I don't think that, you know, sometimes some organizations certainly think that PE is the conduit to solving this, but I think the community is the most important conduit to solving it. Mm-hmm. And I think PE is a great augmentation of that solution. To, to, to backfill this, this a little bit and give some content to the listeners, um, you know, there, throughout the country there are different thoughts on how we're going to, you know, come up with some solutions for getting kids more active. And, and one of the thoughts is that the, the internal physical education system at the school isn't really going to be able to do this, that it's going to come from private enterprise and then work its way back in. And so kind of what we're discussing right now is, you know, where, where are these solutions really going to come from? And, and I think they're going to come from a lot of different places. But, you know, I've been working with some PE teachers. I'm PE credentialed as well and, and have taught PE before, uh, before I got into corporate wellness. And um, I, I think PE is in a bit of a transition. You, you see some of the old school people, you know, exiting, and then some of the new people coming in have have a lot of new ideas because the fitness business is extremely dynamic right now. I mean, the last 10 years, if you think about um, the emphasis on different types of training and then the renaissance of fitness going on with the pull-up bars and the body weight exercises and the kettlebells and the Indian clubs and and the climbing ropes and just all kinds of really cool stuff coming back in that probably shouldn't have left in the first place. And and so there's a lot going on, and, and some of these younger people are kind of hip to that. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of confusion and, and one thing interesting about play is I'm sure, you know, you guys found on your end as well as Candace and I is you can't teach play by lecturing. You have to, you have to play to teach play, you know? And, and so if you're used to just barking orders at people in a PE class, it's a, it can be, I guess, fairly threatening to a PE instructor, but, um, man, you got to get down on the ground and roll around like an ant, you know? And let, and let your guard down a little bit and, and, and be okay with uh, maybe making a mistake and just laughing about it, you know. And, and, and your mood has to change. And, but let's also recognize that this just didn't bring up from 
physical educators. This sprung up from a whole system that puts a ton of pressure on physical educators as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pressures have come from all directions. And now there's this fear of programs being cut. And when we feel fear, we tend to tighten down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, we don't expand usually in the face of fear. Right. And, and that's why, you know, I used to, I, I mentioned earlier with you on, on our private phone conversation, I used to really, really argue vehemently against the point that, the, you know, the change had to come from the private sector. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I consider the private sector to include small, I, my problem is that private sector tends to be a buzzword for corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, and, but if we really mean small community organizations that may be either non or for profit, which is a which is a very uh, very very thin distinction these days, mm-hmm. um, I, I agree completely because this is where innovation happens. Now, I see some schools where there's innovation happening, right. but but on average and as a rule, more of your innovation does happen when people are freed up from those. Um, from those sort of shackles, because you, you start to require measurables. Oh, you want to keep your program? Well, you've got to show us the results right away. Well, I can tell you that my results didn't, you know, kick in until I was 19. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes getting those results can be kind of highly dysfunctional in terms of the process of emphasizing that instead of doing the, the other real work that needs to be done to plant the seeds so the plant can grow. Um, I, I think when I think a private enterprise or something outside the school system helping. I'm thinking of, of people like uh, Primal Move or MoveNat uh, or, or some of the fitness systems out there that are highly creative, you know, uh, as opposed to maybe a huge corporate structure. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that point. And, and even I, I want to also mention that even some of these systems sometimes are about, even when they're associated with nature, and, and I, I, you will never hear me mention nature mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't believe in um, fighting people. Sometimes I believe in calling concepts on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these things are associated with nature and, and sometimes associated with primal. Mm-hmm. Still tend to be about ego and production. Oh, yeah, I'm um, sure. Yeah. So we we have to watch that. And so I like to talk a lot about the elements. You know, this if we're going to do something with kids, to me, for it to be most effective, to be most efficient, and, and I actually wrote an article a while back on the efficiency of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, for it to be most efficient and effective, it has to be about love. Mm-hmm. Pulling people um, up. Yeah. And, and that's a paradoxical statement to some people. Well, how can you be efficient and talk about love? Well, because that, that is the most powerful motivator for a child, mm-hmm. especially with regard to creating intrinsic motivation, which I assume we want to create, you know, the, the motivation from inside, because that's what's going to continue that past this, stimulus of the school or the after-school program being in my life. Right, because we're if, if we're an exercise leader, we're, we're only there minutes per week, you know, that that's not going to be enough. So the idea is, you know, they're going to be doing it when we're not around as well. You had right. something, Candace, to add? Yeah, I just know, you know, you might want to explain because, you know, one of the things I'd like to do is forward this show to the gatekeepers you know, that um, you know, the grant writers, the community leaders that would like to try, you know, to incorporate what we're trying to do. Um, but what I what I think there's a disconnect is between, you know, what you were saying. You know, most of the community rec programs, they're sport-oriented. they got the swimming program. They've got, you know, the baseball, the basketball, whatever, whatever. 
But they don't have, you walk in and say, okay, we're going to have a play program. You know, we're going to have a, a movement program. I think there people somehow have missed or um, categorized everything into one category. That movement and play is sport. Where, where we're seeing the kids that are coming up and even the young adults that I um, work with at, um, in different settings, they have lost movement. They no longer know how to do some of the things that, you know, are basic movements that kids should have gotten somewhere along the way. You know, their, um, their ability to move somehow was taken away either because, you know, they're raising a single um, parent home where their mom said, you know, you go home, you shut the door. And so the kid played video games all day. They just didn't develop those skills. And so, you know, can you address that section or those type of things? Or how have you addressed that? So, yeah, I've addressed that very directly, actually, with the function method. And that's, that's why it's called the function method, uh, because it came out of this, you know, I saw this need for children to learn, really command over their own bodies. Not for us to command their bodies, but to be able to command their own bodies. And so how do you do that without, because I can tell you that my first foray into it was to try to just teach them movement skills. Well, I don't. I I never thought that worked very well. It worked with some kids that were already motivated, mm-hmm. sure, but the kids that weren't intrinsically motivated to do that already, it did not work. And so, what I started doing was trying to learn how to set up. And quite frankly, sometimes I just asked the kids. So, for example, you know, what I've learned to do was set up environments that elicit movement, mm-hmm. environments that make these movements happen, because of the purpose of the game. And you know, when we talk about sports, we act like we're talking about something foreign. They're just games. Right. And so is tag. I, I don't see any difference between tag and football, except football has a lot more money and, and glory associated with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. It's just another game. It, it happened to become popular culturally. It happened to have professional ranks. So what we do is we, we make sure that we create situations that will get kids to want to move to do the game. So, for example, we have a game called wakeboarding, and there's a uh, video of that on my site under function. Uh, if you go to drkwamebrown.com, go under function, um, where they, you know, you'll get them on paper plates or towels standing, mm-hmm. and um, another kid will have a rope, or two kids will have a rope, and the kids that have the rope become the boat. <laughs> the, the, the kid that's on the towel or the paper plates will grab the other end of the rope. And they'll get pulled, and they'll wakeboard. And two, two elementary school kids taught me this game. Mm-hmm. And I realized immediately the value of that for learning squatting patterns. Because there's no way you're going to move as fast as you want to move. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> without I squatting. It. I love it. <laughs> and so the game's not fun if you don't squat. Right. Right? So, so I'm very sneaky. <laughs> and that's really what I do with the function method is teach people how to be diabolical and sneaky. Yeah, I like that. So you've worked with thousands of kids at this point. What do, it, what do the kids yeah. want to do? I mean, when you ask them what do they want to do and then what do they engage the best with? Uh, is it a type of movement or a certain philosophy? I mean, what gets them going in, in Oh, it experience? really depends on the kid, and sometimes it depends on the group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have a group dynamic that, that, that can happen very, very quickly hmm. uh, within a group. And this group sort of, you know, just has, develops its own energy. 
And mm-hmm. so what I try, the other thing that I train people to do in our, in our live trainings, and uh, I've got a friend that hates the word training uh, because it seems like a man thing, but I, I always view it as we're all training. I have a concept called spherical learning where we're always all learning from each other and our environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do in our live trainings is, is brainstorm on how to engage different kids with different wants and needs. Um, and we also talk about how to read the room. So, so I may go in with a plan. I always go in with some sort of plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my favorite quotes from Dougie Fresh uh, from back in the 80s uh, rap period, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm dating myself here, was plans are made to be broken. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's really what I make them to do. I, I hope that kids come up with better ideas than mine. Uh, so I try not to have an ego about what I've set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the one thing. And, um, you know, I see, you know, I've worked with all kinds of mixed ages where we've had in the same group, you will know, see videos like that on my site where kids in the group will be ranged from 6 to 15. How do you do that? You know, right. um, it's messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the other thing about play and, and it makes people uncomfortable is that it can be very messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to navigate and clean that mess. And see, I have no problem, uh, and my mother, made, my mother and father made sure of this growing up, I have no problem raking leaves as more leaves are falling. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's the value of having grown up doing manual labor. You have to hustle. Yeah, it's not, uh, you know, line up in the numbers, throw the ball out. I mean, if you want to be a good physical educator, or movement coach, you, you have to hustle and you have yep. to work hard at it because you're or, actively or, engaged, right? Or yeah, or as uh, the young folks say now, you got to be on your grind. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, y- y- you have to be engaged, and you know, I actually did. I just did a project. You mentioned the Boys and Girls Club. I did, just did a project with Inova Health Systems here in Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs uh, of Greater Washington. We did three Boys and Girls Clubs, um, forty to fifty kids. Uh, each group, and I noticed a stark difference between the first two groups and the third one. Hmm. First two groups, and, and, and it had to do with the behavior of the people that were in charge of the program. program. The first two groups, the people that ran the program, the program directors, were in there playing with us and the kids. Mm-hmm. The third group, the program directors went inside. Really? Hmm. And the kids were all over the place, and they were all kinds of behavioral issues. Hmm. I find that environments where people engage with the kids and become and let them know that they're there with them, mm-hmm. the behavior gets a lot better, so to speak. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Because looking back at some of my coaches and PE teachers, I, I think the ones I was fondest about would would play with us sometimes. You know, maybe they do some running with us or some weightlifting or demonstrate some proficiency there and interest personally you know my friend brian grasso used to play this game with his groups of kids where he would flip them all at the end (laughs) oh my gosh that's fun but we we started the iyca together along with uh, lee bath and uh some other folks uh but um and he would flip the parents sometimes (laughs) i mean those kinds of things are very silly but they build community he was a master at that building community Mm -hmm. um and, and and so yeah, you, you, you've got to engage. You've got to be there with them. You've got to know. That's why I use a circle. I start off every game with a circle uh, because, I, and I tell the students why I'm doing the circle. I said because we're all equal in the circle mm-hmm. and because we can all look at each other and all contribute. <laughs> and so no, them knowing that about me, when, once I develop that relationship, you know, and it takes time, mm-hmm. but once I develop that relationship, I don't have to yell. 
I don't have to uh, chase kids all over the place. Now, when they don't know me, and we're in an, you'll see if you know anyone who becomes a member of the site, I'm about to load some video of that last thing where it didn't work. So I'm not all powerful. That's <laughs> another thing to understand is that yeah. I'm no genius. I just have done things, you know, in a way that that work most of the time. Mm-hmm. But it was a disaster. <laughs> now we got some great play with the kids during that disaster. Yeah. But they were all over the place, um, and it, w- it was really different. You know, it, there was no help there, mm-hmm. and that's that's another thing. You know, you mentioned community earlier and the community pieces. We've got to have help. We can't just stick one person with 50 to 70 kids it, because you have to regiment. When, when you do that. Right. Yeah, you we have, have multiple people. We need parents who are volunteering. You know, we need, um, you know, high school students need community service hours. Mm-hmm. We'll have them volunteer with PE classes. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we have some PE teachers now. If people are listening, they don't know. I mean, they have classes maybe with 90 people in them. And yes. 90 teenagers with one instructor is a pretty tough duty, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot like saying, you know, Here's a car, um, and we want you to be a great driver, um, but we're going to need you to be an excellent, perfect driver with no steering wheel and no brakes. Mm-hmm. Good luck. And, right. and by the way, we're going to be coming back to check on how well you drive every six months, and we're going to take the car away. Uh, not, not give you a steering wheel if you're not doing well, but take the car away if you're not doing well. Yeah, and part of, part of what I know you've already done and, and what... Um you know, we have been attempting to do the last few years is breaking some of those stereotypes associated with movement that, you know, maybe the old school PE program that um, people don't do very well in today by design. Um, And, you know, that's what I saw with the kids that I work with, like that once they realized they could move and actually have fun and feel good about it, it was a completely different world. A whole new world opened up for them. But, you know, you have to hustle or get on your grind as, as you like to say, uh, and bring in some new methods and, and a completely different psychology. It was really interesting working with the... I ended up hi- hiring some, some high school kids. Couldn't get anyone at the university to, to participate with me, which was really interesting. That's a side discussion probably. But, but uh, <laughs> nobody in the PE program was interested. So I, I just hired some high school kids that basically had no experience at all in physical education or fitness. Maybe they played a sport, maybe they didn't. But getting them to change their the way they were trained, which was, it was all about PE in the com- competition sense. Then we're all going to run a lap. We're going to do this. And there's always a winner and loser basically. And, and get in and flip the social psychology was, was quite the battle. Um, and I think they just reverted back to what they knew, but it really changes things. You know, it, it really does. changes things for the kids for, for sure. And, and you touched on something there, the older brother and older sister. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in Miami, uh, working with kids, the Park Authority and all that during my postdoctoral training. Um, I had a group of kids, and I noticed the dynamic. I noticed a lot of the kids that were more advanced were ridiculing some of the kids that weren't. Mm. And so one thing that I did was I said, okay, you're so great, then teach it to him. Mm -hmm. And I said, I believe you are great. And see, some of us, we want to bully the bully, Mm -hmm. right? No, 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 no. Value, Okay. Let them know that everyone has value, including them. You do have value because you're good at this. So teach it now. now. And, and what I noticed is that they got really invested in the 
progress of the other kid. And I ended up with one, one this was a program that I had uh, that took that I took over that was designed for sedentary kids. And one of those kids ended up going on to play for one of the premier football programs in, in Miami. Um, hmm. Not to say that that should be our goal, because it should not, mm-hmm. uh, because that's a ridiculous goal. Not A very small percentage of kids can play high school or college sports right? Uh, just because of the slots they have. So, so I, I don't think that that's the primary goal, but it just shows the power of that kind of thing, because this kid was not active hmm. before that. That's a re- really different approach with uh, bullies, for sure. I like that, though. Absolutely, and it doesn't, and that that too won't always work. But it's one approach that you can use. Hmm. One of the things I want to touch on today, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about child obesity and what to do about it, and are the kids obese? Are they overweight? What should we call them? What should we do? What, what's your position on that? Um, you I know. call them whatever their name is. Okay, <laughs> we'll start there. <laughs> to give a really cryptic response, I really. I, you know, I'll be frank again. I mm-hmm. hate the name childhood obesity crisis mm-hmm. because that's not the problem. You, you and I know that's that's not the actual problem. The problem is that they aren't moving enough mm-hmm. and they aren't eating well. And right. then that's not the problem. The problem is that they are brought up in a society that does not value movement, does not value good food, and and you know, and, and it gets especially noxious depending on what community you're in. I mean, I look at I live right now in my old neighborhood that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. which is low to mid-income neighborhoods. And I'm counting, and, and I'm looking at liquor store, convenience store, convenience store, convenience store, liquor store, convenience store. Right. One boys and girls club. Don't see anybody playing outside. Mm-hmm. Um, because people don't really have a high opinion of safety in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, once in a while, you'll see some kids playing out in the yard, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and we, we blame it on the kids, and we say, oh, they play video games. But the, the problem... You know, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I've said that, and people say, well, no, well, obesity causes problems. Yes, it does, but they're secondary. They're what we call clinically, what we call secondary uh, diseases. Mm-hmm. Right? So we've got, I, I, again, want to be more efficient, so I'd rather solve the first thing. So what we've got to do is create an atmosphere where everyone feels comfortable moving and everyone feels like it's something that they should do. We, we tend to transfer our movement onto the people that entertain us on TV. Yeah. Hey, LeBron James, go move for me. I'll pay you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Instead of, this is, movement is something that we can do. I, mean, I can tell you, I would rather, nine times out of ten, I would rather go outside and play myself than watch it on TV. We, um, I got contacted a couple years ago by a physical education teacher, and we started doing a, a kind of a series of shows in Lean Race called Expect PE. And the reason I... Uh, decided to call it that, was as we got into this and we started thinking about it, we realized that there wasn't much expectation from the parents to have a quality physical education program. And I thought, I kept thinking a root cause, like, well, until we can build a really great physical education program, people have to expect that that should happen. And I think we don't value movement in this country very well. Um, so you're just trying to dig down in this and get deeper. Is that it's that intrinsic drive to, wow, we really need to pitch in in the community, the school, private sector, whatever, to value movement and support that and nurture that uh, from a love standpoint or however you want to do it. But but try to. It could be as simple as going to the park and just jumping up on a pull-up bar and 
having some kids watch you do some stuff and answer questions. I mean, I've done that, you know, numerous times with my kids, you know, and there'll be a little crowd that gathers and then they'll get up on the bar and they'll try and then we might help them do a couple things and then their parents are there and I'll chit-chat with their parents a little bit, just trying to, I guess, turn a bulb on in their head, a light bulb that's like, oh, wow, you know, maybe this movement thing is kind of cool, you know? And, and, and that's why community is so important too and direct contact is so important because in terms of media, social media, <clears throat> we have um, this obsession with spectacular. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, I hear every once in a while somebody will send me a video and say, "This is a great video on play. You should share with your parents and kids." And it'll be, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love parkour, and I've got several friends who are in that mm-hmm. that world. Um, but it'll be somebody doing impossible flips over cars. Right. <laughs> and I said, "How is this going to connect?" with that kid who doesn't move well. Now, now, let me tell you, it's different if you're showing them the progression to that and you're in their neighborhood right with them. Sure, right. Now, now they they now they can get excited about it, but from a video, it's going to be entertainment value and it's not going to mean a hill of beans difference to changing my life. And that goes for adults too. You show all this spectacular stuff, insanity, P90X, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what those people do. Um, even when they show the before and after, it still doesn't connect. Yeah, a lot of people um, live vicariously through a reality right. show where the contestants are doing all these crazy things, and they, they think it's cool, but the, the engagement part doesn't quite a- happen on the user end, you know? Absolutely. So that one of the things that I've been uh, working with my intern, uh, Cameron Dick, on doing is getting some video of him. He has a play laboratory at his high school that he started. Mm-hmm. He's a high school student. That's cool. awesome. getting kids to play games. Wow. And what's that? That's that, awesome. So what kind of, what kind of, what play lab? <laughs> I like that. I like uh, that. So he's been using the function method. Okay. Um, so talk about the function. Tell us like exactly what he's, how he's doing, going about it. So he's just gotten a bunch of his classmates together and has been just playing our games with them, like wakeboarding, like uh, we have a game called Focus where you, you know, you get in a circle and um, you start throwing a ball around and then maybe you introduce one, two, three, or 16 balls. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Them each other. <laughs> you know, um, you get, you're going to want to use softballs because of that. You're going to get hit in the face at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Or we just have games like Battle Crawl where we try to crawl around each other. You can't touch. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to find strategy. Um, you know, games like uh, – and, and he's actually incorporated games he's learned from other people in our community. And that's the one – another point I wanted to make about our function, the function method. Mm-hmm. Our website is called Our Function Community because what we've done is – and Members know this already. You'll see when you download the game, oftentimes, sometimes it'll be a function original game, but oftentimes it'll be somebody's game that they submitted from their facility or PE program or family. Mm. And I will put their name on the bottom, their logo, whatever they want me to put, mm-hmm. and that becomes a function game. I adapt it to the method. I give it you know, possible coachable moments that mm-hmm. you can use. Mm-hmm. And we put it up there and let people download it. Um, you know, and that's the other answer to this is, is how creativity happens when you get people in a space. And that's what Cameron has discovered. Um, and I'm trying to get that group comfortable enough to be uh, put on film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hopefully you, you all will soon see. Uh, <laughs> We'd like to see it. We'd love to see it. Yeah. So it's a collaboration. That's something that Candace has mentioned coming from an arts background in ballet is, um, you know, versus uh, corporate or business. Um, she said in the arts, people collaborate better. 
you know, they have to yeah. pull together for a common goal to do a production or something rather than try to defeat each other. It's a, more of a collaboration. She would like to see more of that in, so in, the, in the movement <laughs> business, if you will, you know, because it can get kind of, you know, yeah, competitive. I think, I, think, and, and I think the hip hop dance community has been the ultimately collaborative community over the past uh, 20 years or so. Mm hmm. Yeah, I I think that you know as you know I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot as far as you know our uh, you know we've got all the you know people have all these initials they've got all these workshops you know for this training that training this training that training and then they become so centric on their method or like you said um, there's ego involved or there's you know something else that kind of could hinder the progress and I think being able to collaborate going, oh, yeah, you know, that looks like fun. I'm going to try that, and I'm going to incorporate that into this. You know, as long as, as people aren't jumping over cars before, you know, <laughs> or backflipping when, they're, when they have issues, you know, I think sometimes it, it just adds more to, um, you know, the, the learning process of what we can accomplish, and, you know, it's not so boring. Yeah, and the, the other sneaky thing is that, you know, if, if I'm running that, I learn more, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. I t- I'm going to run out of games one day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But some of these games have sparked other ideas that I've used to expand and create new games. So um, this one of the things we have to leave behind is the search for the demagogue, mm-hmm. the search yeah. for this all-knowing person who's going to teach us everything we need to do. And you, know, you see marketing like that, everything you need to yeah. know. There's probably some stuff like that that my business partner created on my page. Mm-hmm. But we, we've got to stop that. It, you know, it's got to be about community. Um, but the problem is, you know, especially from the private sector, how do you make money with community? Well, you know, my answer to that is that we can't serve everyone. I don't care how good you are, you're not going to be able to get to everyone that needs to learn from you. Right. So it right. almost has to be done in collaboration. I think everyone will still make money. You, know, you have cross-marketing, which is cropping, cropping up now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, I think the time is ripe for efforts like that. Hmm. Well, let's um, – I don't want to gloss over the – um, the the business side, if you will, of, of what you do, because I want people to know how to get in touch with your services. And, and there's a membership. It's, it's a small fee. It's pretty nominal. I mean, you've got a pretty extensive website, so, you know, you have to, uh, you know, pay for all that. But can you give us some particulars on on what your website address is and and uh, what's available there and how to I access? Will. Yeah, I will. I'm glad you said it's nominal because I think so, uh, but but I've heard people say, well, I don't know if I want to join a site. I, I don't know if I have $10 a month. Um, and I tell them for the record, it's not $10, it's nine ninety five. dollars way different than $10. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But, um, you know, I made it $10 because, and I will tell you how I came up with that price. It's what I could have afforded when I was working as a fitness director for Park Authority. Mm-hmm. where my salary was exactly what a PE teacher in the area would make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, well, P- I know for a fact PE teachers. My wife's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked her, I said, you know, babe, can you think you can afford this? And she said, yeah. That's where the price came from. So um, what we have on there, so so um, my web address is drkwamebrown.com, and most people don't know how to spell Kwame. So <laughs> it's K-W-A-M as in Mary brownlikethecolor.com, uh, and, and doctors abbreviated, so D-R-K-W-A-M-E, brown.com. And if you click on the function tab on my website, it tells you some stuff about our website. 
gives you some examples of the videos. You, you know, the, and see, people will tell me, well, a lot of sites have videos. Well, they don't narrate their videos like I do. Right. So I go in, and it takes me hours and hours. I go in and pick moments to teach concepts within those videos, mm-hmm. and, which is very important and very powerful. Um, instead of just putting up a video of a game, uh, that's not really good enough. Right. Um, so we go the extra mile and do that. Uh, we have games. Uh, we make them look pretty. Uh, you can download them. Um, we have uh, what we call science snapshots, where I break down some of the science behind this and actually evaluate these experiments and, and you know tell you what you can take from it and what it can't prove. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also valuable. And, uh, you know, we, we, we have a more and more extensive game library as we go along, as people submit games to the community. I think right now we have about, uh, I'd say on order of 60-some-odd games. Now, these games have all, except for one, um, been extensively field-tested. And the one that hasn't been extensively field-tested is called Slingshot. You'll have to join the site to find out what that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I came up with it at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I haven't had a chance to test it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> that's the only one. But everything else has been extensively tested with kids and approved by kids instead of just in a room uh, full of people you know, at a seminar. Well, Can- uh, Candace and I are both credentialed teachers. We spent a, a, a few years in education and, and been around movement um, for a long time, and you've done a lot of uh, very smart work on the site. And, and it, yes, it's playful, and you're having fun, but you're definitely very educated, and, and the way you put it together is intelligent. So it's a great resource, and we'll make sure and put up some direct links to that and and uh, try to steer some people back in there. Because, you know, you really don't have to reinvent the wheel here. There are some people that have done some, some groundwork for you, and you can just, you know, use some of their experience and, and expertise and get some things going in your own neighborhood and spark a few ideas. Speaking of spark, you've got a thing coming up in Canada. You're doing a Youth Fitness Summit with uh, the author of the Spark book. Absolutely. And John Rady and I have interacted a lot over the years, but never in person. Uh, through mm-hmm. Frank Forensic and my friend Stuart Brown, uh, we, we've met, and I know that uh, John reads my emails uh, that I send out every couple weeks. Uh, so I'm excited to finally, finally meet him in person after all these years. That's cool. Um, cause I, I've, and and I, I'm a little upset at how much people have misinterpreted uh, John Rady's book, and, and I talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in our training mm-hmm. uh, because they missed some things mm-hmm. that he put out there that were very valuable. Hmm. Interesting. So um, right now you, you've got the site, you've got the games, the community built there that people can uh, pay a very small fee. And by the way, people spend money on what they value. You know, I've I've had this conversation with Candace before, and people will say they don't have the money for this and that, and you know, they think nothing of, you know, buying a beer or a pack of cigarettes or whatever. You know, that I mean, if you value uh, activity for children, then ten dollars a month is is a good value. You know, so there are you other mean ways like to get. Like when it. I spend money on Starbucks and tell my wife I can't afford to buy her a laptop. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a yeah. We don't we don't do fancy vacations, but we've got a whole garage full of fitness equipment. That's for sure. You know? There you go. <laughs> well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. We'd like to do some more with you. And do you do you do certifications or or workshops uh, where people come in and learn from you? Or right now is it online? And then you're doing just you know your community consulting. Well, I definitely do workshops. Um, I decided not to go the certification route um, mm-hmm. because I don't think I believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I you know, like I said, I'd much rather create a community of practice where mm-hmm. we can 
continually exchange ideas because people get a certification, they think they're done. Right. Um, but I want people to know that this is an ongoing process. Um, so, but we do have workshops, and we are actually trying to put together one in Orlando, Florida, right now. Hmm. Um, so that could be coming soon. I'm a little bit hampered now by my responsibilities at the university. Right. Um, so these trainings happen once in a while. So. You know, I say that to say, let me give the infomercial plug when you see one. Mm-hmm. Sign up, sign up, sign up. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it would be really fun to do uh, a training with you. I think um, I'd like to learn some of those games. And, and just, you know, you, you've been 22 years of doing this. I mean, uh, I want to learn from people that have some time in the trenches. And uh, I don't necessarily have the time in my life to, to figure everything out on my own, nor do I need to, you know, so... Well, and you and Candace have quite a bit of time in the trenches, too, so I, I think the learning would be, you know, as I say, spherical. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about those trainings. I, you know, anytime I have a good conversation with somebody, the next thing I want to do is, is uh, get in the dirt with them. Yeah, to hang out and roll so, around. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to do it soon. Play some ant games. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, when I told my parents I wanted to be a recreational therapist, you know, because I like to play, because my nickname's Candy Whammo, because I can throw a Frisbee really far. <laughs> They just didn't take me seriously. And here I feel like I'm doing the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you it's, know? A, it's, a, it's a circular discussion. We, um, the problem is people don't take play seriously, and, and the other problem is that we can't take play seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, uh, it sparks some ideas and some thoughts, and, and we hope that uh, people get inspired to at least initiate some kind of movement physically and mentally. And we'll continue on our path and hopefully do some more work with you in, in a workshop soon. Absolutely. So thanks a lot for sharing and, and uh, just all the work that you've done, um, especially, you know, for the kids because they, they really do need it. Well, uh, you can thank me on behalf of the kids, but I, I think uh, I'm the one that owes you a thank you here. Uh, I really appreciate your time and, and uh, giving me this platform to talk about these things. Oh, no problem. We, we love uh, the collaboration part. You know, we like uh, finding people like you that, are, are doing good work and and just it's just fun to talk about and bring it to the surface and and let people know you know there are a lot of good things out there too so thanks a lot we'll we'll do more soon all right thanks talk to you guys soon. thanks you've been listening to lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com music today provided by tone loke until next time keep moving no excuses Take your kids with you and have some fun.